Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. It is a victory Monday, ladies and gentlemen, the second victory Monday of the week. The Bucks were victorious yesterday, defeating their bitter rival, New Orleans Saints, by a score of 20 to 10. They are now 2-0 on the season with a big test coming up this week against the Green Bay Packers. We will further recap this game and obviously a ton of news regarding Mike Evans after we heard from Todd Bowles today that Evans got suspended for his altercation with Marshawn Lattimore. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is SR Scott Reynolds. And Scott, as exciting as it was, there is a lot of questions going into week three for the Bucks, But nonetheless, 2-0 is 2-0. That's a great start. Yeah, it really is, Matt. Uh, when you look at, at at this game, the only negative is just Mike Evans getting suspended for the Packers game. But I, I really think, and I wrote this in my two-point conversion today, my post-game column, I, I just think that, that that was kind of the spark that energized at least the offense. I think the defense is playing exceptionally well at uh, at New Orleans, especially in the second half. You know, They held the, the, the Saints to just three points in the first half. Then they got the game tied and, and really just took over offensively and defensively after that that uh, that big uh, brawl, melee, fracas, uh, whatever we want to call it. And unfortunately, it resulted in a suspension by Mike Evans. This is his second suspension. Evans was also suspended in 2017 for defending another quarterback, Jameis Winston, of all people. And, uh, and he, you know, he got into it with Marshawn Lynch. These guys don't like each other. And, and I think that it's – I'm sorry, what did I, who did I say? Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch. Well, yeah, maybe he got into it with Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lattimore. And you know what? I've, I've made that mistake before. I don't know why. I mean, these are two completely different people. Uh, we're talking about beast mode, and we're talking about – you know, uh, a punk in in New Orleans. So, um, I, I I listen. We're we're going to get into this. We might as well get into it uh, right now. Um, I I take issue, and I know Mike Evans takes issue at the fact that he was suspended, and Marshawn Lattimore was not. Okay, so here's here's kind of a a, a play by play, if you will. Right, this is Lattimore coming off of, um, you know. Uh, the third down where he's kind of jawing with Tom Brady a little bit, you know, Brady kind of got in his face, was talking to him. Leonard Fournette comes over and, and kind of gets shoved by Lattimore. Then Mike Evans takes exception to that. And, and Evans comes over and just wallops into Marshawn Lattimore. And then the crazy thing is this, here's Lattimore on the ground. Then you have Marcus May, the safety for the saints. He comes over and starts getting into it. With Mike Evans, I mean, you can see in this picture here that that's a throat punch. That's a yeah. throat punch, right? First of all, I mean, first of all, you're crazy if you're gonna throw a punch at someone wearing a helmet. Like all you're gonna do is potentially break your hand. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the fact that Mike right. Evans is getting suspended and nothing for Lattimore, nothing for Marcus May. I mean, Marcus May didn't get a penalty in the game, right? I mean, honestly, it's like we have some some photographic evidence here that shows that he's just as much uh, into this fracas as Lattimore and Evans were. I mean, it's it's Lattimore's mouth that starts it. And then Evans complicates things by, by you know, charging him and bum-rushing him, whatever you want to call it. But then Marcus May, uh, basically, you know, he and Lattimore grab Evans and then tackle him to the ground, you know? And yeah. so I, I was a little stunned. And maybe he gets fined. I hope that he does. Marcus May, as well as Lattimore, we, we know that, that Mike Evans is going to get fined for this. And he's also going to lose a game check. But ironically, ironically, for Mike Evans, he he did a contract renegotiation. He did um, restructuring, if you will, where he took some money that he was due this year and to help the Bucks cap space and and was that a lot of that was turned into a roster bonus where it's prorated. So Mike Evans loses a game check this year. But since he's only technically making like $1.12 million this year, it amounts to about sixty-five grand. which, I mean, that's a lot for you and I, but for Mike Evans, a football player, that's not Matt. But next year, just to put things in perspective, next year, Evans' base salary shoots way up to $13 million, uh, you know, over the course of the year. 
So those game checks are going to be much closer to a million dollars per game, not 65000 Yeah, so Mike, che- Mike Evans is playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers by getting suspended, uh, you know, for this game <laughs> or this season than, you know, uh, the, the following season, <laughs> which, of course, they play the Saints every single year. So yeah. there's going to be more opportunities for more fights and dust-ups and everything of that nature. And we did hear as well that Mike Evans is going to be appealing this suspension. He is going to be appealing the suspension. Yes. Yeah. And there's a bit of controversy with that, Scott, because the two people that are, that normally would hear out his appeal would be Buccaneers hall of famer and ring of honor member, Derek Brooks. Right. And then former NFL player, John running now, because no, 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 James Thrash. James Thrash James is Thrash. the other one. John Runyon is actually the one who levied this punishment. Yeah. Okay. And here's the interesting thing about John Runyon. His son plays for the Packers. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is a huge conflict of interest. This is nuts. This is a banana republic. I mean, I already don't like the NFL as it is because they're trying to legislate physicality out of the game with their stupid, unnecessary roughness calls that shouldn't have been called. And I'm talking about the two wins against the Buccaneers and the one against the Saints. Okay? The NFL tries to continue to ruin its product with this bunch of garbage. John Runyon, okay, he is the one who who suspended not Marshawn Lattimore, but Mike Evans, okay? And his son... Plays for the Packers, who plays Tampa Bay this week, Sunday, at Raymond James Stadium. I mean, this is a huge conflict of interest. And if I'm Mike Evans, I'm pointing this shit out immediately. This is my opening defense. This screenshot right here is, this should be Exhibit A right here in Mike Evans' defense when he appeals. And you know what? He should ask for Derek Brooks. He should say, you know what? You want to play daddy ball because your son plays for the Packers and you want to suspend me for the Packers game? You know what? Play daddy ball. I want Derek Brooks as as my uh, appeals person, okay? And, and, and if I'm Derek Brooks, I'm saying, you know what? I don't like the Packers. I never have liked the Packers. <laughs> and Mike Evans is going to play on Sunday. So – you know, eat that cheeseheads. That's what I'm saying. I mean, come on. This is this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, it's stupid across the board. The fact that Marcus May isn't getting anything. The fact that Marshawn Lattimore isn't getting anything when he's involved in the whole thing. I mean, we saw the video where he throws a punch at Leonard Fournette as well. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Not in, he's not innocent in this whole thing. So I think it's silly to be like, oh, well, Mike Evans is like a, you know this isn't his first offense because he got suspended a couple years ago. Again, backing up his teammates. It's stupid that if he's going to get suspended and the other two guys don't, where is like the rhyme or reason with that? It doesn't make any sense at all. So yeah, I agree. Let Darren Brooks come in and they can argue over it because it it does seem a little telling like, Hmm, wow, this could be advantageous for the green Bay Packers this Sunday. If Mike Evans isn't available, especially when he tack on top, Julio Jones, we don't know if he's going to be ready. He obviously missed yesterday's game with the knee injury. Chris right. Godwin dealing with the hamstring injury. Luckily, Rashad Perryman turns into Superman when he becomes the number one wide receiver like he did for the Bucs in 2019 when they dealt <laughs> with a lot of uh, hamstring injuries. But, Scott, let's – okay, if we were – I don't even know with these NFL appeals if you can, like, bring in, a, like, an attorney or a representative. But if I were to be Mike Evans' attorney – Right. I'm going in there and I'm saying, and there's even more pettiness to this with the Bucs and the Saints. Yeah. Listen, none of this happens if the Saints just give the Bucs a suite, a luxury box, so Bruce Arians could be up there in the rest of the front office. Remember, Bruce Arians was the one goading Mike Evans on the sideline, kind of being. Oh, you mean mean Lattimore? Well, he's goading Lattimore, which, yeah. So he's goading Lattimore, which. Got Lattimore going off. Then yeah. Mike Evans goes out there. If the Saints just do a common courtesy and don't play, you know, petty ball and make all the the Bucks front office go <laughs> into the, you know, yeah. onto the field, Bruce, and what 
happens. That was one of my arguments for Mike Evans. There. Well, I will Mike say Mike this. I, I will say this. Sure. I, I just saw on Twitter there was a, a, a Saints reporter who tweeted out the, the little press box card that has everyone's seat assignments and all that. And, and there's a couple of empty seats there for Buccaneers personnel. And I, I think the implication is, is well, you could have sat in the press box. And, and Jason Light has sat in the press box before. He has. But we're talking about Jason Light, John Spitek, Mike Beal, Rob McCartney, Mike Greenberg, and Bruce Arians. So we're talking about, I think, six people I just named right there, five or six. And I think there's three empty seats in the press box. So somebody's got to be downstairs. Okay. So, and, and typically what, what teams will do, the Buccaneers do this is they, they don't make their, their brass, right? The, the personnel people, the general manager, the assistant GM, the capologist, the, the pro personnel guys, the VPs, they don't make them sit in the press box typically around the league. That's not how it happens. Uh, back in the old sombrero, uh, Al Davis sat right behind me back in 1996. I mean, literally right behind me in in That's the Bucks cool. press box. Yeah, it was it was funny. He, I think the Bucks actually won that game in field goal. He snapped a pencil and threw it straight ahead and hit me in the back. And you know, uh, my younger <laughs> self didn't really. I didn't do it in face, but you know, that's just me being an old grumpy man now. But most most NFL teams will put they'll they'll have a, a luxury suite or a you know box for for that that personnel grouping, yeah. right? That 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 entire front office essentially. Not not the Brian Fords, the people in marketing, the public relations guys, right? Nelson Luis, the communication staff. They're in the press box, but they'll usually have a luxury box. So I, I guess that's what Todd Bowles was saying today is the Saints did not make uh, a box available to the Buccaneers. And I think what the Saints reporter was saying is as well, they could have sat in the press box. Well, not all of them, because I, by my count, there's only three empty seats for the Buccaneers. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, on Twitter and social media are saying that the Saints are poor. I thought that was kind of funny, you know, yeah. or poverty franchise is another one. But you know what? The whole Mike Evans suspension, it's got a lot of people riled up uh you know you just had a pretty epic rant there about how it's been at that you know unwilling the uh, suspension so got you pretty energized scott which of course yeah. reminds me and should remind everyone that celsius is the presenting sponsor of the pewter report podcast we love celsius for so many different reasons because one the variety of flavors you see the vi- the arctic vibe each vibe and tropical vibe right there the vibes are always very high on this podcast and it's a very passionate podcast as well and if you're passionate about celsius you can go and find where you can get more on the celsius store locator i can go right down the street and go get a celsius for my local bodega there's going to be gas stations uh, other bodegas other uh you know walmart's places like that that should have a celsius near you you can also buy them online go to amazon have it set up every two weeks, three weeks. I recommend getting the variety pack, varieties of the spice of life. Have it sent to your house or apartment. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drink, seven essential vitamins, and great tasting flavor. It's a healthy energy drink. You don't get that that post-energy drink crash or jitters that others might give to you. So uh, make sure you're drinking hel- uh, Celsius. That's hashtag Celsius Live Fit. My second case for Mike Evans would be because, you know, the NFL will always say, oh, this isn't setting a good example yeah. for the kids. This isn't good. For oh, the God, give me a break. I would say, one, maybe he is setting a good example that he's going to stand up for himself and he's going to have the back of his teammates. Yeah, I think that's a good learning lesson. Yeah. I mean, and two, <laughs> you saw what, what Mike Evans said, right? When you could exactly. read his lips on, on the TV replay. What did he say, Matt? He said, that's Tom Brady. What else am I supposed to do? See, he didn't even use a cuss word. Exactly. He didn't even use a cuss word. Setting another good example for the children. And then the last thing that he did as he was leaving, as people are booing him, throwing towels and other stuff at him, he stops what he's doing, takes off his gloves, and he gives it to a Bucs fan wearing a Mike Evans jersey in the front row. He made that kid's day. He knows knows what it's about. You know, it's about the future. It's about the future, and he's still going out there and providing entertainment and you know joy to all yeah. the fans. Joy to the, the world, really, is what he's doing. Joy to the yeah. world. I mean, yeah. Mike 
Pippen's good guy, Marshawn Lattimore, not good guy. We can just sum it up like that. And yeah. John Runyon, stupid guy, because his son plays for the Packers. I mean, come on. That's such a conflict <laughs> of interest. I mean, recuse yourself, John. This is embarrassing for the league. This just is. It's it's embarrassing. So, But what's not embarrassing is the fact that Leo, one of our absolute favorite people in the chat. Leo. I don't think he ever misses a show either. I, I, we don't do attendance here. I mean, we are in a couple minutes going to do roll, roll call. Roll call. Because it's Monday. Where are you at, Peter, people? So we're going to be doing that in about two minutes. Matt's going to be putting up the locations today. I'm going to be opining about something super interesting and, and entertaining for a couple minutes while he does that. Uh, you know, this already feels like it's probably the best Peter Report podcast we've ever done. So we're going to keep it rolling. And Leo, again, with the super chat, this team is still being disrespected. All of a sudden now the Packers will beat the Bucks just because they beat the Bears and also F Mike Florio. Mike Florio, he just has it in for Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. I mean, he's a Vikings yeah. fan. I get it. They've never won a Super Bowl. Is that correct? I don't think they have. They've been in Super Bowls. They've never yeah, won it. Correct. Yeah, but, you know, it's it just, come on, man. It's like, got to do better than that. Had another super chat here, too, we want to get to. If we have, we yeah, always have a beast. ton of of people that, uh, that that come in the chat here. And we can't get to all the great questions and comments. Sometimes they just come in fast and furious. But Keith Davis here with the $10 Super Chat, our offense can't seem to catch a break, man. Like, geez, love Mike, but he has to be smarter. We need all the help we can get. Uh, plus, uh, tight ends, no production again. I never doubt Brady, but come on, Mike. Yeah, you know, and we started off the show, the opening graphic, as the Bucks' defense leading the way for this 2-0 start. And, and you know, Matt, they're going to have to play defense again. This this is, this is just reminds me so much, and I'm the old timer in this podcast, you know. But this reminds me so much of 2002 when this offense was just coming together. And you had Derek Brooks and John Lynch and, you know, Rondé Barber, Mike Allstott uh, was playing offense. He was like the lone guy, really. Uh, until John Gruden came along and been the likes of Keyshawn. Well, Keyshawn was already here, but but really got Keyshawn kind of going. But Keenan McCardell, Joe Jervicious, the offense started to kind of come to life, but it was Rondé Barber and Simeon Rice and those guys on defense that had to carry the day and carry the way for the Bucks, uh, you know, offense until they, they got their act together about midseason. So I would expect, and Todd Bowles even alluded to this, that until they get healthy, and until there is some continuity, you're going to see, I think, the offense struggle a little bit, and the defense is, is going to have to continue to play well. And thankfully, they are. Matt, uh, I, I think it's about that time, my friend. It's time. Right about that time, ladies and gentlemen. It is roll call. Tell us where you're at, pewter people. We love interacting with everyone on the show. We have some awesome fans and we got great fans across the world, not just yeah. the U.S., across the country. So whether you're watching from Tampa, from the state of Florida, the West Coast of the United States, maybe you're in Britain, China, Brazil, Finland, wherever it is, let us know where you're watching from. We will put your uh, comment slash location on the screen. I'm going to start off with this one. It's not, it's not a location, but Jameis will get the ring of interception. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's he's going to get that ring for sure. So take it away, Matt. Uh, I'm just going to say this uh, about Jameis Winston. I, I have no ill will towards the guy whatsoever. Um, I, I like Jameis Winston as a person. His training videos crack me up. I mean, they just do. And, you know, there, there was a little bit of a of a spat, I guess, on the plane ride when Leonard Fournette was doing a live stream uh, on one of the social media apps, I don't know if it was Snapchat or Instagram or whatever. Anyways, he was he was on on the plane, and you know he was kind of doing the you know having uh, eating a yeah. W like yeah. like Jameis likes to do. And Chris Godwin, who played with Jameis and got his NFL start with Jameis in 2017, so 2017, 2018, 2019, played with Jameis for three years. Obviously, they're friends and. And and I listen. I don't think you know guys like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. They're still friends with Jameis, right? But they're but they're on the offensive side of the ball, right? And Devin White was absolutely giving no shits about Jameis Winston um, on that uh, on that that plane ride home. And 
And and Chris was like, man, like, did, why'd you have to call James out like that? You know, in that interview, he's like, 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 do you want to be friends with? Him? I mean, like, we're playing him. I mean, he's the, the enemy. I'm paraphrasing here. I don't have the quote in front of me, but I agree wholeheartedly. It's like James Winston's a saint now. I mean, uh, that's just how it is. And and Devin White, no lies were detected. I mean, this this man is known for throwing interceptions and throwing pick sixes. And he did so with mastery during the 2019 season. I mean, he threw a franchise record 33 touchdowns that year. I mean, Tom Brady broke it the next year with 40. But still, for one year, he set the Bucks franchise record with 33 touchdown passes. But he threw 30 interceptions that year. And that was a big reason why the Bucs went 7-9 and nine and didn't even make the playoffs. And out of those 30 interceptions, which actually was not a franchise record, Vinny Testaverde owns that, but he did throw seven pick sixes, which was an NFL record. So Jameis Winston became the first quarterback in NFL franchise to throw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in the same season. And he also he – also, through seven pick sixes, which was a franchise record. And now I believe is a set yet another NFL record because Jameis Winston has thrown pick sixes to all four teams yeah. within the same division now, right? He got one courtesy of, of Mike Edwards, right? That was that was a pick six against from the Buccaneers. And then he had already thrown interceptions and pick sixes against the Saints, the Falcons, and the Panthers. So Jameis Winston now has yet another NFL record that not exactly the kind that he wants. It's a dubious one, but, um, but Devin White, I mean, you know, credit him for just telling the truth, you know, and, 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 and uh, the Jamel Dean picked him off twice. Then you saw the pick six from Mike Edwards. We've seen this type of Jameis unravel and it's, it's caused, Literal pain for Buccaneer fans and the team itself. It, it's no secret that that they bailed on Jameis and they got Tom Brady and they didn't really do much else personnel-wise, right? I mean, they brought in Gronkowski and Fournette, but and Antonio Brown halfway through the season. But by and large, this wasn't like like Tom Brady, uh, you know, and 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 a handful of guys come in and they won the Super Bowl, Matt, in 2020. This wasn't like 2002, where John Gruden literally changed half of the roster. I think out of the 53 players, something like, like you know, uh, half of of the team. I think 27 players had never played for Tony Dungy before. So just over half of that roster was brand new when Gruden came. Everybody says Gruden won the Super Bowl with Dungy's team. No, I'll say he won it with Dungy's defense. But that offense was completely different. Half of the roster didn't even play for Tony Dungy the year prior. That's not the case in 2020. So they made one big switch, Tom Brady in, Jameis Winston out, and they went from 7-9 and nine to 11-5, and five, and voila, a Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, they won with the same core of players when they won the Super Bowl in 2020. Sure, Tom Brady recruited Rob Gronkowski. Gronk doesn't just willingly go to the Bucs unless Tom Brady's in there. But to your point, you know, that defense was pretty much the same. The offense, the main focal points were very similar until Antonio Brown later in the season. And sure, the new guys did shine the brightest in the Super Bowl when Leonard Fournette had a touchdown and Gronk had two and Antonio Brown. But of course, yeah. like the whole reason they got there was everyone that they had involved. So it really just was the the Brady for Jameis switch that, yeah. that really changed everything around. I was asked about everything that went on with Devin White and, and Leonard Fournette's live stream and Chris Godwin on Beckles and Retro on WDAE. And thank you, Giovanni, for the, the $5 Super Chat. Uh, what I will say is I don't blame Devin White for what he said, like, on the sideline in that yeah. interview, you know, because they were, you know, he was asked a question and he was like, yeah, we played with this guy. We know that he can turn the ball over a lot, so right. we want to take advantage of that. Yeah. And we built a lead. So nothing he said there, I think, was like a diss at Jameis, was that type right. of thing. It's the I, truth. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's really important to to like to remind everyone to point out that yeah, Leonard Fournette was going live on Instagram, but that was meant to be a private conversation. Like I don't think I don't think Leonard stood up from his seat and was like, Hey guys, I'm going live on, on Instagram, whatever. 
because once Chris Godwin asked the question, then he saw Leonard was live and right. like instantly kind of shut it off. So yeah. I don't think, first of all, everything that Devin White said on the plane, you know, that that's that's his point of view. I don't think that was meant for like public ears. You know, it's not like he right, went right. on Twitter and was like F Jameis and, yeah, yeah. and all of that stuff. So I have no issue with what Devin White said. And I don't fault Chris Godwin either. You know, he's, yeah. uh, you know, obviously yeah. he has a relationship. He's right. Guy. Stick up for his friend and whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it, I, I, I'm not dissing Chris Godwin at all. Uh, <laughs> he's he's welcome to stick up for Jameis and, and, and ask the question and probe, you know, Devin White about it. That's fine. But but I, I've got even more so than that. I've got no problem with Devin White. <laughs> he said saying, we ain't playing friends. When he said yeah. we ain't playing friends, I do agree with that side yeah. too. Again, especially if he only played with Jameis for one year, there's probably not a huge relationship with him. Though JPP yeah. did say last year that him and Jameis went hiking in the offseason. So I thought that was very interesting because like yeah. a yeah. quarterback and a defensive guy, uh, you know, yeah. never know what that relationship is. But Devin White I, clearly I does like, not have a great one with Jameis. Yeah, I, I like Jameis I, as as a person. I mean, I, I felt bad last year when he tore his ACL, you know, against yeah. the, the the Buccaneers and on Halloween. White making the tackle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But but at the same time, he he's a saint. So I, I don't I don't begrudge Devin White at all for you know, for, for giving Jameis the, the business about that, especially when he's doing nothing but spitting out facts. So uh, here's some more facts. Uh, the Bucks defense is really good. They are freaking it. fantastic. Yeah. Really, really good. Might even be an understatement the way that they're yeah. playing. And there's a great question, Scott, that you had that was asked to you on the, the Bucks Monday mailbag today. Make sure you check it out on pewreport.com mm-hmm. if you've not read it yet. But essentially, is this Bucks defense that good or is it just – that they haven't played the best styles of offenses. And you said that it's a little bit of both. Yeah. And I think, you know, week one, they obviously played a much better quarterback with Dak right. Prescott. But week two, I think they went up against better weapons overall. So I think the Bucs are really doing their thing defensively. Yeah. And the real test is going to be this week against Green Bay going up against Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And, of course, Kansas City well, the following week. We'll find out a lot. And you know what? I, I think they're going up against – a really balanced Packers team, right? We know what Aaron Rodgers can do, and he doesn't have Devontae Adams anymore, but you have Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, right? There, there's enough people for Aaron Rodgers, and he's a bit of a kingmaker. He can make yep, you know, he can make receivers. Good players great, yeah. Exactly, yeah, and he can. And, and, and okay, guys, good, right? And sometimes that's all you need. But this Packers team, and everybody kind of made fun of, the, of them drafting A.J. Dillon, uh, another running back when they already had Aaron Jones, but it's a nice one-two punch, man. Yeah. It's 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 a lot. And if Tampa Bay, I think that that because at the end of the Cowboys game they gave up I think seventy-four yards rushing in that game, and that's still a reasonable number, right? And the Cowboys had to kind of abandon the the run in the second half of that game because the score started to get a little lopsided. But it's really been the first quarter of both the Packers and the Cowboys games that have really kind of gashed the Bucks a little bit. And I asked yeah. Todd Bowles about the t- in the press conference, and he said more so than anything, it's missed tackling and it's guys not being in their gap. And and you can kind of you know see and, and again these are human beings we're talking about, right? The, these Buccaneer players on defense, they're they're humans, they're not robots. And and I think that they felt well, you know. Uh, Week one, we did a good job, but all of a sudden now they give up 100 yards on the ground, 102 yards to the Saints, and I think that might have got their attention a little bit. And this is the week where you better hone in on the details, and you better believe Todd Bowles is going to be hammering all of those 11, 12-yard runs that that the Bucks defense were, was getting gashed by, by, by Mark Ingram. Thank you, Les, for the $5 Super Chat. He says, if the Packers are smart, they wouldn't even show up for this game. The Bucks are going to be pissed and loaded <laughs> for Bear. Um, but to your point, yeah, like the, the I guess you could call it a struggle in the run stopping, by Bucks standards, the struggle yeah. in stopping the run. It hasn't over by any You know, they allowed one touchdown through two games. But it was a little bit of an eye-opener, and – when you hear a team ran for a hundred yards against the box, that's almost unheard of. You know, yeah. it's like, it's almost, it's eye opening when you see something like that. 
And the Packers, to their credit, have run the ball very, very efficiently. You mentioned, obviously, Jones and and Dylan, two great running backs. They're just a great tandem. You know, you got that thunder and lightning thing kind of going a little bit. Dylan a little more bulkier and physical, get some of the goal line carries where Mm -hmm. Aaron Jones, you know, much quicker. You know, we even get a lot to this on on Wednesday and Thursday show when we're really going to do a deep dive with with the Packers. But one big reason the Packers – you know, were not successful their first game of the season when they got blown out by the Vikings. Aaron Jones only had eight touches. And, you know, that's yeah. that's not a recipe for success right. for the Packers there. But one thing that we talked about a little bit on yesterday's show too, Scott, was um, that Akeem Hicks, and obviously he got hurt in the game. Yep. Todd Bowles didn't really have an update on Hicks or left tackle Josh Wells, what their availability will be for this upcoming week. But Hicks, who was obviously awesome in the preseason, hasn't been up to i think our level of expectations for yeah. the regular season and he struggled a little bit yesterday especially with the double teams that open things yeah, we don't know he could be ready to go mm-hmm. but if he's not available that obviously means will golston nacho those guys will be in the mix of course with logan hall as well right. if sure that might take a little step back with the pass rush but you know nacho's built to play the run you know he had yeah. one more snap than will golston so you might see them clean it up in the run game if that's the situation, yeah. if Nacho is thrown into a bigger role. But I am curious to see if that's how it'll be. Yeah, and you almost wonder, too, if Hakeem Hicks is going to be out for a couple of games, then maybe he goes on short-term IR and, and they bring somebody up in the practice squad. I don't think they're going to be bringing back Indomitian Sue. I just don't. I'm not saying they're not going to. I just don't think it's going to happen. So uh, that I think that if something happens to Akeem Hicks on a long-term basis, if this is an injury that that is more long-term, then they might consider it. But but uh, you know we'll so we'll you, see. You know who they could they could bring up. Well, Mike Green is, Mike Green is one in, one of them, but yeah. you know they they have uh, no oh, yeah other guy. Willington Prevalon. <laughs> they might bring up Willington Prevalon. <laughs> Sorry, I just I, I had to uh, I had to go in that direction. Of course you did, and that's fine. That's that's totally appropriate. What else yeah. is appropriate on a Monday, a Victory Monday? Well, I know what is appropriate. I'm having one right now, folks. This is this is a Pirate Republic Golden Haze of Piracy Belgian Wheat Beer, and and I, I like this this uh, little orange thing at the bottom here. This is an actual orange. You squeeze it and just drop it in, and it totally sets this off. So I, I've already had a Celsius orange today. And, you know, I decided, you know what, I'm going to have an orange beer and I, I chose the Golden Haze of Piracy. So I'm going to tell you about that today. If you didn't know, Pirate Republic is the official beer of Peter Report. It's an absolutely fantastic beer. They've got three different kinds of beer here available in the Tampa Bay area and across the state of Florida. It's they're they're invading Florida and taking over. It's really fun to see Long John Pilsner. The Take No Quarter IPA, which is the only IPA I like, and I really, really do like it. But the Golden Haze of Piracy, this Belgian wit beer is, is phenomenal. 4.6, it packs a little bit of a punch. Malted barley and wheat together with Belgian yeast create a golden haze, while coriander and orange peels are added to the boil to accentuate a lively, sweet citrus flavor. Folks, it's as good as it sounds. If you have not tried Pirate Republic yet, I encourage you to do so. Here's how you can get it in the Tampa Bay area. There's a couple of bars. I'll, I'll put them up on social media tomorrow that you can go and, and grab a pint. But I will tell you, all three of these beers, the Long John Pilsner, the Techno Quarter IPA, and the Golden Haze of Piracy Belgian Wheat, they're all available at participating Total Wine & More, ABC Liquors, Lucan's Liquors, and Party Liquors. So make sure if you have not tried Pirate Republic yet, I mean, listen, you root for the pewter pirates, right? You already have a pirate mentality, right? So drink like a pirate, live life on your terms and drink Pirate Republic beer. And, and I want you all to go out and, and get some this week. This is a big game against the Packers coming up and try it, you know, buy a six pack of the, uh, of, of the Long John Pilsner, it's great to take to the tailgate. It's great for the pool and the beach because it's kind of crushable. It's not real heavy, and uh, and if you 
if, if you like it, tell me about it next week in the chat or this week, because I want I want to hear about it and, and get some feedback, because I really think you're going to like it. It's a fantastic beer, the official beer of Peter Report. That is Pirate Republic. And Richard on brand right here. Thank you yeah. for the $1.99 Super Chat says, happy Talk Like a Pirate Day, Victory Monday. So there you go. <laughs> talk Like a Pirate Day. Yep. So good for the bucks. Well, yeah, here's here's a, a question here from Nate Pitts. Sincere question. What is it that is keeping Scotty Miller on this roster? Is Jason Light his uncle or something? BA his grandpa? It was not a great day, right, for for Scotty Miller on, on Sunday. He had one catch, 23 yards to start the game, and then really kind of struggled after that. And the funny thing is, is remember, there's a lot of Scotty Miller fans when we were kind of maybe foreshadowing that he wasn't going to make the team. Turns out we were wrong, but it really kind of shocked everybody that Brashad Perriman made the team. And now I think we're kind of seeing why Perryman is just one of those guys that just flies under the radar, right? He is a supporting cast kind of guy. He is not Mike Evans. He's not Chris Godwin. He's not Julio Jones, but there have been some times whether it was back in 2019 at the end of the season, when Godwin and Evans and Scotty Miller were out with injuries at the end of the, of the year, where he had three straight 100-yard games, or whether it was the, the touchdown catch, the walk-off score against the Bills in overtime, or that clutch touchdown in the fourth quarter, Matt, against the Saints. You know, there's just something about Rashard Perriman. The, the guy just kind of shows up, man. It just, you know, that, that was that was a hell of a kind of a delay, right? He kind of, he saw yeah. the pass coming and tracked it, and P.J. Williams was right there, right around the goal line, and and then Perryman just kind of baited him a little bit to slow down. And then he just kind of took one or two quick steps, drifted to the back of the end zone, created that separation, and hauled it in. I thought it was a tremendous move from yeah. Perryman. That was a veteran move to, to get that touchdown and not really have it be contested. It was an exceptional play. It almost felt like I was watching, you know, two people play the video game Madden and there was a glitch and all of a sudden <laughs> caught it because Williams had really good coverage. Yeah, he did. Perryman tends to struggle making contested catches. Yeah. You know, we saw later in the game, he dropped that ball on, I think it was third and one, or it was a third and short situation. And the Bucks, I think, could have like run out the clock or at least, you know, made, made it even more difficult for yeah the saints to even get the ball back or, or move it in, in that situation. But the way that he made the catch and just the timing was perfect with everything. Cause he had the fight with Mike Evans and, yeah. and Lattimore and then Jamel Dean gets the pick and then the bucks are moving down the field and they just needed, it's like when he made that play, we always talk about splash plays on the show. They just needed that one play to really just ignite everything else. And I mean, you talk about an epic fourth quarter with all the turnovers yeah. that, the Bucks defense was able to cause and the offense sprinkled in some plays there, as we'll see with this first month of the season where the defense is leading the way, leading the charge. And then Brady and the offense will do their thing uh, when the time comes. But that was just why, why is it when all of the other starters are out, Rashad Perriman, all of a sudden, becomes I don't know. Like, He's, guy. It's only when yeah, everyone else is you're right. Because when Evans was in the game, even the week before when Evans was available and Julio, you know, Perryman wasn't really making too many plays. They targeted him a lot and wasn't making the catch. And then, you know, it was a little quiet up until that point yeah. in the game against the Saints. And then, bam, Mike gets ejected. And all of a sudden, Perryman puts on his cape and he becomes Superman. It's uh, yeah. It doesn't make sense, but it works for the Bucks. Tom Bucks fan, I, I'm prejudiced for Perryman as I like bigger, faster, wide receivers. And I think that's that's a big reason why yeah. he made this, this team because he can also play special teams. But – Tom Brady likes him. I mean, they they have a, a bit of a rapport. You know, he's not, you know, he's farther down the totem pole, right? Like you said, he only kind of steps up when 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 something happens to those other their players. But I tell you, he's gonna have to step up big time yeah. this week because even if Julio Jones comes back with that knee, he's 33 years old. Is he gonna be able to finish the game? We had a question here. Uh, what's going on with Gage? This that, that's a great question. Yeah. Right. Right now, uh, I, I've been a little perplexed by the production of Russell Gage, who right now, let's see, Mike Evans, your leading receiver with eight catches, 132 yards, a healthy 16.5 yard average, and a touchdown for the season. Julio Jones didn't play, but three catches, 69 yards in the season opener. Then Brashard Perryman is the third leading receiver 
in terms of yardage, three catches, 45 yards, and a touchdown. That happened all on Sunday in New Orleans. But seven catches for Russell Gage, 41 yards. That's a 5.9-yard average. And I don't know if it's just with Gage, is he still hamstrung with that, that hamstring injury? Is that still bothering him? Is, is there like a chemistry issue between he and Brady not being able to, uh, you know, to uh, to be on the same page yet? I, I'm just not sure. I'm, I I was a little shocked that Gage has not been more involved in the offense a little further down the field than he has. I mean, a 5.9 yard average. I mean, that's yeah. that, that that's like what Leonard Fournette would get catching the ball out of the backfield. Right. You hit it right on the head, Scott. It's like the the plays that he is making and the throws going his way are all very manufactured. They're small little screens, little two yards. Hey, let's get him the ball and then see if he can do something up the field. I think we all thought, again, we talked a ton about he would play that Chris Godwin role of being in the slot and going vertical down the field or, you know, maybe not like 30, 40 yards down the field, but at least like that nice 15, 20 yard route, get you a first down, move the ball, get it over midfield, whatever it may be. And I, I really do think it's just a hunch, but I think that hamstring might be a little more annoying than uh, than many, including myself, really thought. Yeah. Because something just doesn't seem totally right for the fact that like Perryman yeah. has played, Perryman played more, right? Per, exactly, Perryman played more snaps than than Russell Gage did, and we went into the yeah. season saying that Russell Gage is going to be the number three receiver, and Julio yeah. was going to be the number four, be that insurance policy. Yeah. But no, that completely flipped. Like Julio is going to be a focal point of this offense when he is available. It's just a question right. of when he will be. Well, Russell Gage, yeah, something doesn't seem right. It just it's got to like- be the hamstring. I, I don't want to make excuses, but I, yeah. I, I think there's a legitimacy here to that. Remember, Matt, the first, what, two and a half, three weeks of camp before the, he injured that against the Dolphins in that joint practice session, the very first one. Yeah. Also, Gage is probably the leading receiver in Bucks he camp. He was. He was very getting sick. open. I mean, he the the defensive backs were having a hard time covering him. Whether it was Winfield in the slot, whether he was lined up outside, whether it was Dean or Davis, I mean, there were some days where Russell Gage was the best receiver on the field yes. for the Buccaneers, and we just haven't seen him be anywhere close to that. So I got to think that he's not close to a hundred percent, but they need him, so he's going out there and and uh, you know and just being serviceable. The football gods are tempting me because I have Russell Gage on two of my fantasy teams. Me too. <laughs> and I didn't play I didn't play him this week, but I was like, hmm, if there was a time to play him, it would be with Chris Godwin and Julio Jones out. And I did yeah. And I'm very glad I did. But if Evans' suspension holds up and he's not able to play, and if Julio's not available and it doesn't look like Chris Godwin is, yeah. I feel like I'm forced to play him in my flex just because no one, you know, and I have a solid team. I like the depth of my fantasy team. But, like, if no one else is out there besides Rashad Perryman and Russell Gage, like, who else is going to do it at wide receiver? You have all non-prototypical wide receivers that the Bucks coaching staff usually likes. Scotty yeah. Miller undersized, Jalen Darden undersized, Tompkins and Geiger from the practice squad, obviously. Yeah. So you're running out of like the tall bodies. You know, you might have to right. take a you might have to take Logan Hall at defensive lineman, put him <laughs> at wide receiver just to get that type of size. Yeah, the Bucks are always looking for. No, I, I'm with you. You know, and and uh, you know, I I think if Brashad Perriman can step up and maybe kind of you know catch lightning in a bottle and 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 have a 100-yard game against the Packers the way he ended that season in 2019 with three straight 100-yard games, then it just might be a jackpot for this Bucks offense. Just the way you like it. Me and my wife decided we'll have some fun. I was playing a two-cent machine. Six bets in, I hit a jackpot. $117,000. Hi, my name is Tara because I want over $500,000 playing slot. I do this full-time and I would not change it for the world. I'm Gloria. I won over $2 million at Seminole Hard Rock Casino. I went and bought a bunch of jewelry. <laughs> my name is Mike. I won over $350,000. I love playing back rock because it hits different. When you pull in that car and you flip over that nine, beating that eight, can't miss. I'm Jimmy. I won a half million dollars in a slot tournament at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Even a blind squirrel can get a nut sometimes. <laughs> my name is Philip, and I won 215000 on Blazing Sevens. Putting my last $4 on the table, next thing you know, bam, 215000 jackpot. I hit that bad boy. I didn't realize how much it would change my life. You only live once. Have fun with it, right? Anybody can win at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa.
That's a new advertising partner, Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Tampa. Matt, we're going to be doing a couple shows out there this year. So the Peter Report podcast is going to go on the road during the week, and we'll have those dates for you. We'd love to see you. Come on out and and uh, and and meet us and greet us and um, and maybe we'll you know maybe we'll play you guys in a game of poker or something. So it'll be fun. But uh, it's a great oh, place man. for entertainment. Yeah. Uh, well, Sunday should be a great place for entertainment at Raymond James Stadium, right? So even though Mike Edwards is uh, is, is going to be on the field, Mike Evans is not. And I just saw somebody that said, uh, uh, where was it here? Can Mike Edwards play wide receiver? He's a ball hawk. This this guy is just incredible. I did a story on on Edwards a couple weeks ago prior to the start of the season, and he was saying that he wanted to get his interception totals up but he prides himself on the fact that he's never dropped the pick. Now, Jamel yeah. Dean, Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting, they can't say that. But apparently, and I haven't been keeping a tally on, on everything that's been deemed an interceptable pass, but but Mike Edwards over the past two seasons as a role player, and started a couple games when when Winfield was out, but, but primarily as a role player, led the team with interceptions last year with three, including two pick sixes against the Falcons had five total when you combine both of those seasons. But he's not dropped a pick since his rookie season against the Giants. He said, I made a promise to myself, I'm not going to drop uh, another ball. And he hasn't, apparently. So he's got one interception. He's behind Jamel Dean uh, in in terms of, of the the, uh, the the team lead. But but may, yeah, maybe maybe you put Mike Edwards out there in place of, of Mike Evans uh, as an emergency wide receiver if you need him. On Why not? Deion Sanders used to play wide yeah. receiver and cornerback and do kick return. So, you know, yeah. why not? Yeah. And Mike Edwards, I was like smirking when he got that interception and took it back to the house. I'm like, just typical Mike, typical Mike. Who else but Mike Edwards yeah. would get that interception? Who yeah. else would get a pick six in the fourth quarter? I know. The only thing I was surprised of is that he didn't get another one. Yeah. You know? he, he's the king of... Uh, Back-to-back pick sixes. In the yes. quarter, so. Mark Fisher says, can't replace Gronk, but tight ends have to step up. They've disappeared from a passing game. They have uh, to a degree. I don't think they've been a focal part of the game plan at all. I really don't. I think that mm-hmm. they, the Buccaneers have been emphasizing the run, and primarily that's been due to their offensive line, right? Robert Hainsey got his second career start against the Saints. So did Luke Gedeke, who is a rookie. At least Hainsey is a second-year player. But then you start Josh Wells, and let's get to the injury news. We talked about Akeem Hicks being out probably for a little bit here, at least. Josh Wells didn't finish the game. He lost, uh, or I should say he left in the what, second quarter, right, with yeah. the uh, calf injury. Mm-hmm. And then he got replaced by Brandon Walton, and boy, 73 came in. And you didn't notice this guy at all. And usually when you're talking about offensive line play and you get noticed – Unless you're Ryan Jensen, right, where you're out there jawing at somebody and, and knocking somebody's block <laughs> off. Usually, when your name isn't called, it's a good thing. Because usually when your name is called, it's a penalty mat. You gave up a sack. You gave up a sack fumble, et cetera. And at least one game in, Brandon Walton comes in at left tackle and really surprises and does a, a, a I don't want to say incredible, but a very credible job replacing Josh Wells. The Bucks won on Sunday with their third string left tackle. And so I think that that's why the tight ends, Mark, are not being used as much. They're being used for their blocking, pass protection, yeah. as well as run blocking, because they got to protect Tom Brady at all costs. And if you would have told me, Matt, going up against the Saints, who prior to this game have gotten three sacks, no fewer than three sacks against Tom Brady in each of the four losses, if you told me, that between the Cowboys game and the Saints game, that Tom Brady would have only been sacked three times this year behind a line that did not have Donovan Smith, <laughs> Ali Marpet, Ryan Jensen, or Alex Kappa. The only mainstay is Tristan Wirfs, who's still not 100%, right? I mean, that's pretty incredible, the, the, the type of pass protection that Brady's gotten. And yes, he hasn't thrown for 300 yards yet, and, and it might be some time before he does. He doesn't care. He's been there and done that. He wants to win. And he knows that that leaning on the running game and leaning on this defense right now is going to give the Buccaneers the best chance to win. But 
the way this offensive line is playing for Tom Brady, and Brandon Walton was a big part of it, and he might be again on Sunday against the Packers, has been pretty impressive. Without question. When you get down to your third-string offensive tackle and Tom Brady only gets sacked once and it wasn't even because of, of Walton right. in, in that situation – you know, a quicker quarterback, as much as we like to joke about Brady, you know, not being mobile. Remember, like Brady started running like he was he was going to he was going to try yeah. to go. But, you know, the uh, the mind wanted it, but the body wasn't able to, right. to, to follow up. So the, the Saints defense obviously caught up with him. Yeah. So you know, Brady knows the end goal. All right. Like the offense will be will be humming, if you want to say, in yeah. November or December. So, again, just rely on what you got right now with the offensive line. Like, as you said, Tristan Wirfs, like, he had a false start penalty. That's yeah. just hearing Tristan Wirfs and penalty is something right. that is sometimes you just can't believe it because he's been, you know, so impressive in his career, obviously getting yeah. all pro last year. So shout out to Wall did in third string. Uh, Todd Bowles is very complimentary of him today when, mm -hmm. when you talked about him. Gedeke still, uh, you know, still coming along here. But Hainsey is another guy that, we're not really talking about it at yeah. all, which I think is a very good thing. Now, yeah. the Bucks run offense obviously was not up to up to par yeah. in this game. A lot of third and shorts seems, that were defense very frustrating. So you know? They they are so good. And another thing, too, obviously, someone else we should probably talk about is Byron Leftwich. You put him on most disappointing last yeah. week. It it did feel like every time that they ran the ball, it was just up the middle, up the middle. The occasional yeah. sweep with like Scotty Miller. And then towards the end of the game, they threw one pitch to the outside to Leonard Fournette. And they right. got like seven or eight yards on the play. Yeah. I was just like, where, that where was that where was that versatility in like they they had it in the first game? Yeah. They had so many different ways they were running the ball. It wasn't just in, in between the tackles, ramming your head up against the wall. And you saw why they had so much success against the Cowboys. Why again, why didn't they mix it up a little bit? Because it wasn't like you were having so much success. Sure, you're getting two and three yards versus if you run it to the outside, you might lose two or three. Yeah. But, you know, when you keep getting stopped over and over again, where was the creativity getting players to the outside? Well, you know, Tristan Wirfs is still pretty mobile. You know, I understand if you don't want to do it with Walton, but Tristan Wirfs can move. Get yeah. him out in space. Uh, yeah, and, and sometimes, you know, and I, I'm, I'm a few years older than you, Matt. I'm actually a lot older than you. Sometimes as you get older – you know, your, your mind just gets a little foggy, you know, and and I've experienced that myself and I've gone to age rejuvenation for part of that. And, and it certainly helped me. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. And that's exactly what I've done. And so is John Gilmore, a retired Buccaneer, who is uh, it was part of our Pewter Report tailgate uh, pregame show. And uh, we got some exciting news, so stay tuned for that in just a second here. But Guys, if you want to feel better, go to Age Rejuvenation. Lose weight, feel great, have better sex. You might have seen Age Rejuvenation as my new sponsor for the SR's Fab Five column on PeterReport.com. And they're also the presenting sponsor of the Celsius Peter Report tailgate show on every game day right here on our Peter Report TV YouTube channel. Well, I'm also a new Age Rejuvenation customer myself. Thankfully, don't have any issues in the bedroom, but I did turn 50 and the energy and the brain fog, as John was talking about on, on Sunday, it, it becomes a real problem. It turns out I've got low testosterone like most men in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. It's just, it's nature, fellas. It just happens. Low testosterone can affect everything from weight loss to energy and, and even like your ability to, to focus mentally. And now there's a way to fight it. And that's what I did with, with uh, the testosterone therapy. I've got more energy now. I've been doing this now. This is, I think, week five or six for me, and I really feel the difference. Visit agerejuvenation.com. Age Rejuvenation's got five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. And go ahead and, and get that free hormone uh, assessment done. It's it's certainly worth your, your time, and uh, it certainly made a big difference uh, in my life so far. And I'm glad that I did it. And I'm not just a pitch man. I'm also a customer. And I encourage anybody my age or older, even a little bit younger, to, to go get that free hormone 
panel done, it's blood work, and the the, the thorough, in-depth nature with which they're going to go over uh, everything in your body that's right and wrong and, and work to fix it is top-notch. So can't, re can't recommend it enough. Just like I can't re uh, recommend, easy for me to say, uh, I can't recommend you guys going to Pewter Report um, for the tailgate show. And, and we had a phenomenal tailgate show, the Celsius Peter Report tailgate show. We're going to be live at the walk-ons in Wesley Chapel. That's going to be JC, Allen, Bailey Adams, and John Gilmore are going to be there. It's presented by Age Rejuvenation at the walk-ons in Wesley Chapel. And that address is, sorry about my house, 25372 Sierra Center Boulevard. That's right across from the outlet mall, the premium outlet mall up here in Lutz slash Wesley Chapel. And of course, you got to stick around for Pewter Game Day. We got a special guest that's going to be joining you, Matt. Casey Hudson's going to be with me at the stadium. Paul Atwall making his triumphant return to Pewter Game Day. That's going to be at 425 live in-game analysis right after the, the Pewter uh, Report tailgate show. That is going to be live at 230. It's going to take you all the way up until kickoff. And you and Paul, Paul Atwall are going to be uh, rocking and rolling and providing all of the in-depth commentary during the game. So it's going to be fun. If you listened to the show last year, Paul was on with John Ledyard. He's going to be back for a couple games this year. One of those is the Packers game. So make sure you are tuned into that. And last but not least, go to pewterreport.com for all of your best Bucks coverage. We have a ton of stories up from yesterday and today. Everything covered from the Bucks Saints game, and we'll be looking ahead to the Bucks Packers game starting tomorrow on PeterReport.com. Great traffic numbers. Yep. Thanks to you guys for checking us out. Podcast numbers going through the roof. Make sure that you are subscribing to Peter Report TV. Uh, that's our YouTube channel, and make sure you're hitting the like button and all the all of our videos that, that it press uh, clips that that Matt put up. And why don't we get to some of those, Matt, uh, before, before we, we leave the show here today. Let's listen to some of what Todd Bowles had to say. Do we have any of those queued up? Yeah. That Mike Evans was suspended. So here's Bowles talking about that and his reaction to uh, Marshawn Lattimore not getting a suspension either. Suspension, like I said, the fighting alone loses a player for the next game. It hurts our team because we lose a very good ball player. We don't want that. We don't condone it. And, you know, we got to move forward, try to find a way to win without them. But that should be a lesson to all our other players' position. But from everybody that's on the field, running backs and receivers, you know, we're going to have to pick it up somewhere. Somebody's going to have to make a play and step up. And that's what we got depth for. Altercation as well? He was, but I can only worry about my team. You know, I can only control what happens on this, this team and not worry about everybody else. So your understanding is Lattimore was suspended? I don't know what happened with Lattimore. I just know what happened with Mike. Yeah. Bulls yeah. was also asked about uh, having Bruce Arians on the sideline, mm -hmm. what was up with that, where he gave a little bit more information in regards to that. Do, do, do you think that needs to needs to go upstairs, or is there any what you're feeling? Well, he's always upstairs, but they didn't have a box to give us this game, so everybody that was upstairs were downstairs. So this week and, and, and on throughout the year, Jason, Bruce, and those guys will be upstairs. Is that your... Jason's always downstairs. Bruce is always upstairs. So. And then the last thing, sorry. It's going to be interesting to see if Bruce is on the sidelines of Raymond James Stadium. I think he liked being down there closer to the action. Yeah. Uh, we're going to see if Bruce Aarons is on the field on Sunday against the Packers or if he's going to be upstairs. We'll we'll hear from uh, from um, Todd Bowles with, with one more topic, man. What's, what's on the deck here? Yeah, so another big thing that people have been talking about a lot is the fact that Tom Brady is going to have every Wednesday off just from practice, not from like he'll be at the facility. He just won't be practicing. Right. Some people were going crazy over this. Tom Brady was doing this last year too, but Bowles actually did tell us he pretty much gave us the schedule of every veteran player's right. day off. So uh, now you can find out when your favorite Bucks are practicing or not practicing. <laughs> Anything that, that works okay for what you need? It's not a personal day. It's a rest day. It's right. also Julio's rest day. And then we have Chris on Thursday, Mike and Levante on Friday. So it's not just him. You know, we have guys, we have designated days all for after games to help them recover quicker and do things. And he has Wednesday, but so does Julio.
Well, we have a designated day off on Tuesdays because during the regular season, there's no Tuesday press conferences or anything. It's the players' day off. The coaches are game planning for the Packers, and and, and we're going to be taking a deep look into the Packers. But that's where you want to go to pewterreport.com. We're going to be back on Wednesday with another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. A couple quick super chats before we leave. Robert Farmer, $5. Love how our secondary is playing so far. It's a big improvement from last year. I feel like we've made – Quarterbacks look like Hall of Famers. Well, let's hope that, that they don't continue that from last year. Uh, Cannon Fire Podcast, $2. Like to see more play action with 41 out there. Yep, and, and Coquif's got to catch the ball when he when uh, it's thrown to him, right? That's that's one thing that he didn't do on, uh, on Sunday. But uh, we're going to really dive into the Packers on Wednesday. That, of course, is our preview show. So we're going to have Bucks Packers preview back on our, I should say, coming on, on Wednesday when Matt and I return and Matt, any other final thoughts before we, uh, we call this one, uh, you know, uh, uh, the best Peter report podcast uh, of all time. Uh, just a lot of good information from Todd Bowles. I really thought, and uh, you know, free Mike Evans, you know, I, I said Mike before Evans. that if Mike Evans did have a lawyer that could represent him, I thought Albus Dumbledore from Harry Potter would actually be a good one. <laughs> he got a uh, Harry Potter off of uh, some yeah. crimes that he was accused of in order of the Phoenix. So, if Albus Dumbledore is available, that would be great. Maybe Elle Woods from Legally Blonde or Saul Goodman from Better Call Saul. Uh, you know, tell us in the comments which fictional lawyer you yeah. would want to represent Mike Evans uh, yep. in his appeal. But uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'm going to go with with Daredevil from Marvel. Um, ah, that's a good one. He said yeah, he's, himself he's a really good lawyer. In the yeah. Spider-Man movie when he caught the uh, when he caught the brick. So exactly, exactly. So uh, that's gonna do it for today's show. We appreciate everybody tuning in. We always love Mondays because we have roll call and and these victory Mondays are kind of fun and contagious. So let's keep them going. Uh, free Mike Evans. There you go. Uh, for Matt Matera, I'm Scott Reynolds. Appreciate all the super chats, folks, and we'll see you on Wednesday for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast.